0: Okay. We're up. Um, so this class we have been, that is so weird. It doesn't show me my next slide. Okay. Um, I'll just fake it. Um, so we've been talking about, uh, kind of the, the spiritual structure that Paul lays out. So we think about spiritual gifts and, and the Corinthians were having these the, these terrible church services where they'd all speak in tongues at the same time thinking just anyway it was a mess and so Paul goes I don't want you to be ignorant and he doesn't say I don't want you to be ignorant about prophecy or tongues he says I don't want you to be ignorant about the structure of the spirit world okay he says I don't want you to be ignorant about pneumaticos and so then he be, then he says look there is an analysis you can do of charisma gifts and one Holy Spirit. There is an analysis you could do, and Paul the Brainiac goes and I did it, of course, uh, you can do about ministry and one Jesus. There's an analysis you can do about um, the energi- ener- energy, the energizings of the Father, how the Father works. There's an analysis you can do, and I did it, um, and one Father, and on the other hand the things that you're interested in never once called gifts of the Holy Spirit by the way they're called phanerosis, the clearly visible works of the Holy Spirit tongues prophecy that whole list he said by the way there's an analysis you can do about that too and I did that one too okay and so and so then you go okay and so in first Corinthians 12 he lays out the analysis of the manifestations of the Spirit because that was their problem, so he explains it to them. But in other places, he explains the other analyses. So in Romans 12, and we've already been through it, he lays out the analysis of the charisma gifts of the Holy Spirit. Seven gifts, we talked all about that. There's a gift circle. Um, I I, I could just go for hours about that. But the the reality is, is that each of us have an arc in this circle and it's our motivation. It's the lens we see everything through. Um, and um, and it's yours for life. It's it's not your identity. Paul says the one who shows mercy, the one is your identity. But if you're the one who shows mercy in every situation, you'll act a certain way. And there's three speaking and three serving and then leading to organize all of us doing crazy things. Um, so we're gonna talk about Uh, the ministry gifts of Jesus today and so we started this by saying if you were hired uh, to be I don't know on Billy's staff or something like that if you're a young person hired to be on the staff of of some important official there are two things you'd want to know you'd want to know what is important to them and what's your job right those two things are really important and so we are hired as Christians to be on the staff of God the Father Uh, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And so understanding, especially with Jesus, Jesus is the head of the body. And that word head doesn't mean head like an organization. It means head like a brain. The whole analogy is a body and we are body parts. We in the church have made him the head as in the president of the church. And he's saying i'm the head as in the brain of the church and you are body parts and when you think of it that way and think about what does my little finger get from my brain you think everything you know it's like it it gets it gets the feelings it gets connected everything it needs it gets nurtured it gets and and that's the role that jesus plays in and with us so in the last two and so the last Couple of weeks, so so we finished with charisma gifts. Now we're talking about Jesus and ministry, and uh, uh, the first week we talked about. I kind of laid out a structure, and then I said the best thing we can do is to understand what Jesus said, because our our question in America tends to be what should I do, and Jesus' answer to that question is always who should you be what is the kind of person I'm looking for? So, so the parable of the minas, for example, uh, the one who hid his mina, only made it, the ones who made mistakes investing in the minas never talked about, go for it, you'll make mistakes, that's fine. But hiding it and doing nothing with it, that's not fine. And so there's lots of ways um, that Jesus lays out what's important to him in our lives. And uh, so we talked about, Uh, Luke 15 um, those parables are never uh, interpreted the the soils are but the Luke 15 parables how many of you were here for that the Luke 15 one okay and so we uncovered crazy good stuff about the four ways we get in trouble and how Jesus ministered to those four kinds of issues in our lives Uh, the the issues were wounding sin ungodly belief And entanglement and that's the lost sheep lost coin the prodigal son and the older brother and the the story is pretty detailed and pretty crazy good then we looked at last week um, how the Beatitudes and the woe to you scribes and Pharisees exactly match each other and when you look at them you kind of get shivers up your spine because you go oh my gosh this was not a this was not an accident Jesus did the Beatitudes and did the woes And on purpose, he made them so when you compare them, you learn far more than if you just look at either one. Okay. Now there's one more pattern in scripture that is my favorite pattern in all of scripture because it starts with Eve in the garden and goes to John at the, nearly at the end. And when you get this, you go, oh, it's like, okay. So uh, hopefully, I hear your, your head smacking your foreheads, your hands smacking your foreheads today when we do this. Um, so we're going to go to infinity and beyond. Um, this is the verse that we're going to look at. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the I'm gonna, I'm going to just try putting this back up again and seeing what happens, if it'll give me... yep there it is okay I know it looks the same to you but now I can see the next slide coming so I'm not like I wonder what I was gonna say next so this is this this will be marginally better than it would have been otherwise okay so so here we are Uh, all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world so when he says all that is in the world he's saying I'm gonna categorize the major issues that you will face. So we see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the ice, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Um, let's, let's look at those and <clears throat> let's see if we can, ourselves, come up with a definition. So what would you call this? How would you describe what is that in human lives? The lust of the flesh, we'll start down and dirty and we're actually working our way from the body inward through the human makeup. So we're starting at the very outside. So lust of the flesh, what are some things that might fit under that? What's that? Gluttony. Gluttony, yeah, gluttony would be the lust of the flesh. I I want more, 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 more than is healthy. I can't be sated, but I will try. What else would be under lust of the flesh? Things that things that are okay in the body, but are not okay when taken to excess or outside of the appropriate structure. So you think sex, right? Any kind of addiction, I would think. Well, addictions, yeah. Any kind of addiction. Sport, no, I, <laughs> Titan's ticket addiction. Um, <laughs> yeah so so you so we can think of we can think of our favorites right it's like when you think of your own life and you go he's meddling now you know <laughs> let's not let's not get any closer but so everything in in my body so the body has drives it has hunger sex drive pleasure drive it has drives and those drives when uncontrolled become the lust of the flesh okay um, what about um, the lust of the eyes? What does that look like? And I'm going to translate lust here for you. And I'm going to translate flesh for you. So um, the, the lust, that word is in inordinate desire, a passionate longing. In a, pro, it's, a desire is good. An inordinate, a lust is not good. right? So it's something taken to extreme in, in the wrong way, the wrong time on and on okay uh, sarcos sarcophagus that's just the body the word for the body and this is then the lust of the eyes ophthalmologist you kind of start to see all these words popping up what is that what is that what 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 kinds of things fit into that category yeah yeah wanting yeah we'll call it brentwood we'll <laughs> but, but, no. but but it's like I'm, I'm 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 never satisfied i need a better car i well i've got a lamborghini but you know i think i'm going to get that new elon musk car before his company goes broke um, what else is in the lust of the eyes jealousy. jealousy yeah greed it, it, it's it's I look around and I want what I see. And I'll do illicit, illegal things to get it, and when I get it, I'm not really satisfied with it. It's it's almost like a disease. Um, What would the the last one be, the boastful pride of life? And There are the two words, pride is just that word, and bios. Uh, it, so it's not Zoe life, it's not suke life, but it's it's biological life. It's your physical life. It's 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 me living in the physical world. Um, what does that look like? The boastful pride of life. What might that look like? Feeling entitled. Yeah, feeling entitled. Yeah, uh, feeling better than others. Uh, comparing yourself the best of yourself to the worst of somebody else and feeling... Yeah, so Paul says all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, all those categories, the lust of the eyes is not from God and we could just um, call them the big three, right? Lust, greed, and pride. If you had to take the seven deadly sins that Josh is talking about and put them in there, they fit really nicely in there. In fact, there's almost no sin that doesn't find its origin in one of these three. You can think hard, but eventually you go, yeah, well, I did that, but the real reason I did that was pride, or I did that and I stole that, so, so theft is wrong, but I stole because I was greedy. And so at some point, as you work your way back, you see that that uh, John's portrayal, all that is in the world, and when he says that, he means I'm talking about everything that's in the world. It's, it's sort of, we talked about the word deirisist, which is the platonic analysis, which looks at the whole thing and puts it into categories, right? So it's, it's taking like all the million colors and putting them in the seven, colors of the rainbow, that would be a deirisist analysis of color. You, you put them all, all in there. This is a deirisist analysis of sin. Okay. In other words, almost all sin will fit there. And Paul says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the most, is not from God, but it's from the world. It doesn't say it's from Satan. Okay. Not an omission. It's important to understand that Satan cannot invent things. He merely provokes things that are already in us. He searches us to find weakness and seeks to exploit that weakness. Okay. Now as Christians, I'm going to start this out so we can look at this through the right eyes. As Christians, God says, no temptation, test or trial. Has overtaken you. Good morning. No temptation, test or trial. Ephesians. I don't know where this is. Corinthians, someplace. No temptation to. First Corinthians two ten. Has taken you that overtaking that's not common to man, but God is faithful and will not let you be tempted, test or tried beyond your ability. But with it, will supply the means of escape that you can endure it. So these things for unbelievers they are overwhelmed. They are, they are jerked around by Satan and they don't really have a defense. They can, we can try, we can grit our teeth, we can do a lot of things. As Christians, we're in a different world now. We've been adopted into a different family. It's like a street kid without a family is, is prey to everything that happens. A street kid adopted into a family Things still try to happen, but now they're limited and they have help. Okay? And that's who we are. We're street kids who are adopted into a family. And so when we think of all the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, and we think about those things being provoked in our lives, I want us to start from the position of saying, I'm not helpless when these things are provoked, okay? And there's a reason I'm not helpless, it's called God who limits Satan. Just like he was talking about Job, you can do this, but don't touch his body. Okay, you can touch his body, but don't take his life. Um, and that in a sense happens with us. So the question then is, is um, so what, <laughs> right? I mean, so this is, this is a good structure, but how does it work? So what I want you to do is look at this. Here's Eve and the snake in the garden. See if you can pick out the three approaches with Eve, the three kinds of sin, the three kinds of failing. Just just read it carefully and then we'll, uh, we'll take a look for it. Okay, so. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was delight to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. She took and she ate it. So you think Eve is considering, and she is thinking about what the snake has said, what he's doing. And look at what he's doing. What, where is the lust of the eyes there? It looks good. Yeah, it looks good, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, it's, it looks good, it's good for food, I'm taking, not the eyes, I'm sorry, the lust of the flesh is, it is food, it's good food. I can make apple strudel out of, this is going to be, right, this is going to be good. Okay, I already, I already asked the, the other one, lust of the eyes, it was a delight to the eyes, this is almost like too easy, right? Where's the boastful pride of life? Yeah, desirable to make one wise. So when we look at the pattern, here's the pattern with Eve that Satan used. And so Satan provoked all of those three things in her. And when she thought, she didn't say, yeah, but God said, don't eat. That was kind of like, well, yeah, maybe, but right. And so turn, not the, this is the command. And no matter what I'm feeling, I'm going to obey this command. Now, <clears throat> um, if you want to um, harm your marriage, ask why Satan Satan watched Adam and Eve for a long time. Why did he go after Eve first, knowing he'd get both of them eventually? There's no, there's no right or wrong answer, but there is interesting answers about the differences between men and women. Because Adam was easy prey after Eve ate, absolutely easy prey. She just gave it to him and went, "Oh, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just dumb man, you know. This is in my food box. I'll eat it, you know." And 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 that was it. Satan knew his toughest toughest would be Eve to get her. Adam probably easy. Eve, not so much. So he went after Eve. Okay. So now let's now let's go. And now some of you are going. We're going to talk about this at lunch today. But anyway. <laughs> Um, now let's go to the next time we see these three, and here we are at the temptation of Christ. Okay, where's the lust of the flesh there? And I've kind of I've kind of cheated. We have three, the three temptations. So there, Jesus answers what? He's hungry. Yeah. Command these stones to become bread. And what does he say? What does Jesus say? Yeah, it's written. It's written. It's written. I have a different standard. Eve had a command. No, God said not to eat. No, God said. Remember when Satan goes to it. He said, hath God really said? not to eat from any tree of the garden? And so if you go and look exactly what Satan said to Eve, he distorts God's harshness, his legalism, and shrinks his generosity. And when Eve repeats it, she repeats the distortion. If you go back and look at Eve, she repeats, rather than God said, you may eat freely from any tree, she says, you may eat from any tree. And when God said, don't eat from this tree, she said, don't eat from it or touch it. She makes him stricter. And and, and that's that's what Satan does is to make God into a legalist. Shrink his freedoms, grow his legalism until you become an Old Testament Jew and a Pharisee. Right. That's his goal. You can know all the law. That's great. Just don't know grace. Just don't don't know grace. Okay. So he says, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. Now, what is Jesus coming from? What, what has he just done before this happens? Do you remember? It was the wedding. Mm-hmm. He's, he just came from the desert, 40 days in the desert. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the wedding and multiplies wine, which is my kind of guy, right? <laughs> Jesus only multiplied three things, right? Bread, wine, friends party party with Jesus is <laughs> this gonna that dinner at the end of the age that is gonna be some heck of a dinner I'm, I'm just saying um, okay so Satan goes okay got me there Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8 3 I fed you with manna from the desert right <clears throat> um, so he says I'll give you so what is this one I'll give you all of the kingdom. he shows them every kingdom and he says it's yours Right? Lust of the eyes. Could Satan do that? Could he give him all those kingdoms? Mm -hmm. How come? Because after the fall, he was given dominion over the earth. Right. Does he still have dominion over the earth? No. You sure? Well... I I know it's complicated. It's complicated now because... (laughs) Yeah. Christ, Christians, take up our authority, you know, and take it back, you know? yeah. and he claims it, you know. But he has it by default unless we do nothing. Right. He's still... Uh, notice that Jesus didn't dispute, if, if you go back and read, I don't have it all here, but he doesn't dispute when Satan says, I can give all these kingdoms to you because they've all been given to me. Jesus didn't go, no, they haven't. They had been. Adam and Eve had authority over the earth and they gave that authority to Satan. Satan is called the God of this world for a reason. He is still the God of this world. The world has not been redeemed. Christians have been redeemed out of the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of Christ, temporarily still living in a foreign land called earth, right? So we're we're still in this foreign place where Satan is the God of this world. And we can redeem lots of it, and people can get saved, and lots of things happen. But until he comes again, and gives us a new heavens and a new earth, we live in a fallen creation. You know, roaches didn't come into your house before, before the fall. There was no such thing. Ants, nah. probably, probably weren't even roaches. They're probably all demonic. But and jiggers, demonic. Okay. So uh, and so Jesus says, "It is written, what you shall worship." The Lord your God only, again he's quoting from Deuteronomy 6.13, fear the Lord your God, serve him only. Um, and Satan is saying, no, be king of the earth on your terms, not God's terms. And he said, No, you only worship God. Jesus is king, and what is Satan offering him? He's the kingdom, but through an illicit means. In other words, Satan looks at your calling. He looks at, he's seen a million of us, and he can tell our gifting. He can get a sense of who we are. And he'll try, with weak, with sensitive people, he squashes you with trials. With strong people, he perverts you into self-strength. That's how he goes. So if you're a strong speaker, strong personality, He's going to pervert you into, well, I can do this. I don't have to depend on God. I don't have to wait on God. We're waiting too long. I'm, I'm going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Moses isn't back. Let's do a golden calf. You know, let's do it. You know, that, that sort of a thing. And so, so when Satan looks at Jesus, he says, you are destined to be the king over all the earth. Want it now? See, and, and you know, Jesus is like, I was just 40 days in the desert He probably memorized all of Deuteronomy. He probably knew it. But but Deuteronomy is a desert book. I mean, that's the book that they came out of the desert with. And he's quoting a desert book. It's like the patterns in Scripture are crazy good patterns. It's like the more you you dig, the more details you uncover. Okay, let's go to the last one. Um, What is this one? Why why would this be the boastful pride of life? What do you think is going on there? Throw yourself down. He's he's, um, he's acknowledging who Jesus is. So you're you're powerful. You're powerful. Right. So throw yourself down and what? And God will command angels to save you. What does Jesus recognize this is? Testing God, right? So, So what is Satan trying to get Jesus to do that Jesus knows? He could do, but he wouldn't do because that's not who he is. What do you What do you think? It seems like test God, but it's almost like use God as a magic trick. It, it jerk got around, yeah. you, you know, and, and kind of say, "I can make God, in a sense, do my will." I come down off the cross. Yeah, yeah, come down. Yeah, exactly that sort of thing. It, it's rather than submit to God and enjoy the Father's immense blessings, but His immense blessings are always this, received with humble appreciation. There is a place in the church where we demand the blessing of God, declare the blessings of God, and declare our own godness in a way that is this temptation where we step across the line from being humble servants of God into these declarations. And I've been in those churches into these declarations where I'm a son of God and I command, you know, all this is under my authority. And, and there's all this sort of prideful thing going on. And, and I just I just go, ah, oh, this is going to go bad for you. you. know, Why? Because there's nothing. Satan has no new temptations. He's, he's, just got, he's just got the same three. He's got a lot of variations on it, but it's all these three. Okay. So um, let's uh, take a look at just a couple of verses under each of them. So <clears throat> here's Paul, Romans 7. Um, <clears throat> and he says, look, this is Paul. I just wrote the New Testament, Paul. And, and he's saying, I do the things I don't want to do. But if I'm doing the things I don't, he's, he's got like this, he's now DID, right? He's just like If I'm doing the things I don't want to do, then I am not the one doing them, but sin that dwells in me does them. I find this truth. The one who wants to do good cannot do good because of sin that dwells in him. But the sin and I are two different things. I'm not the sin. It just dwells in me. There is therefore, Romans 8.1, no condemnation. Why? Because of the realization that he himself is a child of God and saved, not a sinner, even though he sins. That is like the one truth of the church could get, especially our part of the church could get that I'm not defined by sin. I'm defined by God. And I'll walk into that definition anyway. Um, Here's what Paul does do though, even though he knew this, he says, look, I'm, I'm, still, gonna, I'm still gonna discipline my body and make it my slave. I'm, I, I live in this body, but I, 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 I don't have to sin. When I sin, it's still a free will. If, if it's not a free will, then it's not sin. It's imposed on me, but I can discipline my body. And so Paul <coughs> lives from the inside out. Remember, we talked about that we're three parts. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. So I am a spirit. Pneumaticos. This is the word we're using here to describe the whole spirit. Paul talks about the pneumaticos man in 1 Corinthians, the spirit man. I have a soul, but the soul is the servant of the spirit. The spirit is innocent but has no way out except through the soul. The soul is is the, the servant. It's like, it's, like it's like the spirit sits in the throne room and the servant takes direction and goes out into the world and does what the spirit says. That is called a spiritual man, right? Someone whose spirit is directing their mind, their will, and their emotions, their psychic nature. And what's the body then? <clears throat> I buffet my body and make it my slave. The body is considered the slave. The, the, The soul is to direct the body, not vice versa. So Paul talks about three kinds of people in the earth. Sarkikos people, people who are driven by their lusts, lust of the flesh. Psychikos people, people who are driven by their minds, will, and their emotions and pneumaticos people, people who are led by the Holy Spirit. Our goal, when we were first saved, was to shift from sarkikos people and we ended up as psychicos people, and that's where we stayed. And God says, you're halfway there, but the next step is the hardest because it won't make sense to you to become a pneumaticos person because you have to become like a child to enter the kingdom. And in our culture, that is not okay. <laughs> you know, It's like, you mean stupid? You mean doing dumb things? No, that's not what I mean. I mean innocence. I mean believing innocently without asking a gazillion questions. That's what I mean, okay. And so so here we are. Okay, so that's the lust of the flesh. Let's go to the next one. Lust of the eyes. If you're right at, now, I, I think this is an analogy. If your right eye is causing you to tear it out, throw it away, it's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. But I think you know, people always interpret that and say, I mean, people have done that, but I think they're interpreting to say that is how serious it gets when you look at, at your eyes. If, 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 if you just have to have this Brentwood house, have to have, have, to have this, the right attitude is to take radical steps to cut that off, it's kind of, and we're going to show those in just a minute. <clears throat> the eye of the lamp is the body. If your eye is, and the word here is single, single, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. What does that mean? Well, it could mean a gazillion things, it's not interpreted, but for me it always means what is the focus of my, my heart and my eyes? What am I looking at? What do I really want? What do I not care about? And you go, okay, what did Jesus want and what did he not care about? I should think about that. Okay, I'm going to spend the summer reading about Jesus and what he said he thought about and have red letter holidays. So that's what I did for two summers. I would have Red letter days where all I do is read the red letters and, and i only I said, Jesus, I'm only going to read till I'm full. And Jesus says, You have very little capacity. <laughs> it's like half of one verse. Okay, that's it. You know, this is going to take me a decade to get through this. But eventually you begin to take on the character of Jesus through osmosis. Quite, because he lives in you. And if you give place to his word, his word has life. It's not like studying the encyclopedia, having to memorize it. It has life of its own. It will produce in you because it's living. Your job is to put it in you and keep it there. Don't let Satan steal it, right? The word is Satan come, okay. So if your eye is simple, and then the last and bolso pride of life, the greatest among you should be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is like one of the promises you put on your refrigerator. That's a great one. <clears throat> um, he, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the presence of God and he will exalt you. So that's a, that's a great, our job is not to figure out our reputation or to build a reputation. Our job is to humble ourselves before God. That, that's a, that's a, a harder, but easier job. Because when I'm humbling myself before God, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the most part of life is over there someplace. It's not, it's not on my screen. Because my screen is to say, God, who do you want me to be? What do you say? God, is there anything you want to show me about this relationship? God, is there anything you want to show me about this part of my life? I want to I hear from you. And then all of a sudden you realize he does talk. He talks in real time. He will answer those kinds of questions. He doesn't answer information. What are the seven things you want me to buy for Christmas? He doesn't answer those kind of prayers, but he answers the kinds of prayers are, is there anything you want to show me? kinds of prayers? Right? Those those kinds of prayers he answers. Um, because they're easy for us to hear. I can't hear information. But is there anything, prayers? Also you go, okay. Huh. Okay, let's go on then to Jesus counteroffensive. Jesus says, okay, guys, how do you build capacity inside of yourself to defeat the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life? If you look at Matthew six unaccountably, Jesus is talking about something else and then he shifts gears and he says this, when you fast, Do not put on a gloomy face you'll be noticed by people. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, take a shower, so that your fasting will not be noticed by people. And what happens? Your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So he doesn't say if you fast. So I guess a question I would ask, we're starting with the hardest one, because... Fasting deals directly with the lust of the flesh. Your body says, feed me, and you say, shut up. This is it's a controlled experiment to teach your flesh to listen to your spirit. And what you learn in fasting, you put on internet porn. You put on everything that tries to drive the flesh the voice that you learn to say no to your body in eating feed me or I'll kill you try it you know it's just it's just no no um, th- this is not bragging this is my wife but so we fast every day till noon intermittent fasting because it's so darn healthy except Sunday just <laughs> why I'm sleepy in church I think but anyway um, but try it try fasting Try try different kinds. Read about it. I could teach for three hours about fasting and all the physical things that happen. But he says, when you fast, don't let anybody know. See, I just lost credit for all that intermittent fasting. And the father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, He doesn't say he will reward you in secret. My experience is he will reward you openly. What you do in secret, the father will reward openly. What you do openly, people will just be jealous. <laughs> I don't know how, what happens, but it doesn't, doesn't work that way. So, so, there's So fasting is God's counteroffensive to the lust of the flesh. If you practice fasting, you will conquer the lust of the flesh. No question. Now, do we all still sin? Yes. That's why Jesus died. We give our sin to Jesus and say, I'm on it again. Jesus says, I forgive you 70 times 70 every day. Go for it. I look at your heart, not your performance, which is great. Or not great, (laughs) it depends. But look at your heart and say, God, search my heart. See if there's any way in me that's not godly. I want to pursue you. God says, good enough for me. That declaration is good enough for me. Um, So lust of the eyes. Giving, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet, as hypocrites do, so that they will be praised by people. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your giving will be in secret. And here we go again. And your Father who sees in secret what is done will reward you. Amazing promises. This church is as good as any place I've ever been. I mean, I, I'll talk to somebody in a non in a nonprofit, and they'll say, you know what Otter Creek did for us? I'll go, obviously not. She goes, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell you. And I go, come on. You know, it's like, they gave how many thousand? To, you know, or this person did this or whatever. And you hear things. And I think if you hear it indirectly and the person doesn't say, it, they still get credit, you know, from, from the father. But it says, when you give, when you give, find ways to give. Find. My wife has got bags in the back of her car for street people that she sees that has everything they need for a day. And she just she just gives them out. Why? Because she doesn't want to give money, but she wants, so she did that. And I thought, okay, there we go. Um, <clears throat> so when you give to the poor, um, giving to the rich is actually considered horrible in God's eyes. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, he who withholds from the poor or gives to the rich, uh, something bad about <laughs> that is, is uh, considered uh, stupid. I don't know. There's some something about that in Proverbs, but so the point is, is who am I giving to and how am I giving? Okay. When you do that, the lust of the eyes, we're wanting to buy something and we're just like on it, my wife and I, and I said, let's, let's give what we'd set aside for this to this charity and see what happens. You can't give God. You just can't. I have more stories of trying sometimes, but... My company said, "Oh, we've got year-end bonuses. We forgot to tell you," and it was enough to pay cash for the thing we wanted. I was just like, "You knew, didn't you?" It's like you knew, um, you can't outgive God. And then the last one is going to pop up right now um, when you pray. So here is the three antidotes to the three big things that Satan tries on us. When you pray, don't, again, don't be like hypocrites. Don't be like, don't be like. And this is all public, 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 private, private, private. Okay? So when you pray, close the door. Go into your room, close the door. Don't leave it open so your mate can see you. Okay? Close the door. Pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done secret will reward you. So in each case, Jesus is saying there is a way absolutely, without question, defeat the three big things that are inside of humanity that will destroy us that Satan tries to provoke. He tried to provoke it in Eve. She fell in every single one of those ways, and Adam did too. Tried to provoke it in Jesus, and he said not, no, 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 no I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. He said, it's written. It's written. One of the ways to avoid the temptations here is to know what God has already said. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you, David said. So, if there is an area of particular struggle, somewhere, and there's all kinds of things underneath these. If there's an area of particular struggle, step one, See what the Word says. Don't don't look for the Word in the midst of the temptation. That's like trying to bail out your boat, you know, fix holes in your boat in the midst of the storm. Lay the Word up in your heart. Not just memorize, but meditate. Memorization puts it in your head. Meditation puts it in your heart. And you are what your heart is. I want to believe, I want to believe, I believe. So let it go down into your heart. And when the temptation comes, you don't have to think. You just go, it's written, bam. There's a, there's a little moniker we use in Friedenberg called Submit, Resist, Draw Near. When you're tempted in this area, and you already have the word in your heart, in two nanoseconds, it's like jujitsu, how they react. Or in an ambush, I was to a stranded military ambush, and you don't think. Submit. God help me. Resist. It is written in the name of Jesus, blah, blah, draw near. I'm done with you. Father, I thank you. And it's done. It, it's like an incredible counterattack against the temptation, which is your weak area right now. So, step one, figure out what God says, the it is written part. Step two, practice. Submit, resist, draw near. That means practice being in the presence of the Father. Practice sitting with Him and saying, Father, is there anything you want to show me about this verse that I'm I'm laying up in my heart? Is there anything you want to show me about my life? Where did this come from? He'll show you. He began a good work in you. He'll complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is conforming you to the image of His Son. So do that. So lay that up. Then say, OK, I'm I'm training in peace for action in battle. And when it comes over here, you because you're so used to going to the Father, you say, Father, help me right now. Right. Father, Father, Father. Father, help me right now. Then you turn to Satan, you say, it is written. Bam, bam, bam. This is, you know, what whatever it is. <clears throat> um, and then you just turn right back and say, I'm done with you. Father, thank you that you said this. Is there anything else you want to show me? And just listen, just pictures will pop up. Memories will, will come, a verse will come, a sudden feeling. God isn't human and his first language, isn't English, but he loves to speak on your innermost screen inside the screen of imagination and impression. He will speak on that screen and he will uh, become your most intimate best friend that way. Okay? Last question. Any last questions about all that? Um, so we're done with Jesus. <laughs> and next week we're going to start on, on the third leg of the table. The Father, we're going to do two weeks there and then t- a week on manifestations. And then the last week you're all going to speak in tongues because if I get kicked out of the church, I'll be done with Sunday school anyway. <laughs> so, All right. Thank you. Bless you. Oh, that was on recording, too. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing nobody listens to these.